Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Today we're going to find ourselves in maybe a familiar text. We're going to be in John 15. So if you got a Bible with you, would you find me in John 15? Um, And as Pastor Derek has said, we have been talking about what it looks like to recalibrate our hearts and our minds, right? As we are now into the second week of 2024, it is really meaningful to think about what this year will look like for us. I know people have gotten on the no resolution train, uh, and and I'm happy for you. Um, But I'm hopeful that everybody in this room still wants to see growth happen in 2024. Amen? And so what anchors our heart and our mind really does matter on how we grow this year. And so if you have had the time and you got to John 15, would you say got it? Wonderful. And if you are able, would you stand to your feet as we read God's word together? We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11, John 15, 1 through 11, and it reads this way. I am the true vine, and my Father the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The very word of Scripture. This morning, I want to keep in the same breath as last week what really matters. What really matters? Part two, I guess. Pray with me, church. God, as we take a moment to lay everything else aside, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, that which you have planned for us today, every person that's here, not by coincidence but by design, that we would interact with your truth and that our lives would deeply be impacted because of it. I pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe that truth this morning. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, have a seat. As we get ready to jump into this text, um, this thought of what really matters had me kind of pondering one of the greatest cultural arguments that we have today. Is it three Is it five or is it 10 seconds for when something falls on the floor? 
One of the greatest cultural debates. Now, here's the thing, and, and I'm truly going to believe this, is that the argument's subjective, right? And I'm going to prove it to you. Because no one is willing to expand their time if it's a piece of broccoli, right? No one's saying, oh, the broccoli fell. Not three seconds, it's five seconds. But I'll say this, if it's that fresh piece right out of the oven, top of the brisket, and it's a little hot, and, you, and, and it drops, Pastor Steve, what are you going to do? You're going to give yourself some time. It might go from five seconds to 10 seconds. Or if it's that corner of that ooey, gooey, fresh mac and cheese, and it falls a little bit on the counter, you, you might give yourself a little bit more time to say, ah, ah, you got the 10-second rule there. It's no longer three. Or maybe it's the, the cookie, right? The freshly baked chocolate chip cookie. Here's what I know is that depending what it is, that's what really matters, right? Because if it's a vegetable, it might sit there for a bit. You ain't picking it up. That's gross. There's germs on it. But for the right thing, here's the sub-question that's really being asked. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? If I pick this thing up off the ground and I'm going to eat it, the Lord is sovereign. He knows my days. It won't be this, I hope. But we might give it a bit extra time. And so this morning, as we come back to this text and we just think about what really matters, that sub-question that lays it all down for us as well is, is it worth it? And Pastor Derek walked us through Ecclesiastes 11, verses 7 through 12, and uh, we began to talk about the things of when you get to your end days, you will realize, what did I give myself to? What really mattered that I gave myself to? And so this morning, I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is very kind to us to remind us of what really matters. Yeah. Here in John 15, we find Jesus talking to his disciples. This is, let me give you some context because we're not walking through the whole book, so I want you to know that we're in its right place and understanding what's happening here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it's considered his farewell discourse. He's getting ready to go. He's getting ready to go to the cross, be betrayed, and hung like a thief. But he's talking to his disciples to make sure that their minds and their hearts are ready. That no matter what they experience, that they would not leave the faith that they have now clinged to, but they would hold on. That they wouldn't chase the things that don't matter, but that they would chase the things that really do matter. That you hold on to the one that really matters, that you hold on to Christ, the true Savior. And so that's where we find Jesus situated right now, talking to his disciples to remind them of what they need when he goes. And so he uses this metaphor, this language that will be quite understandable for them. He wants to make sure they understand it. And so John 15, in verse 1, he opens up this way. He says, I am the true vine. Now, this is the last of the seven I am statements. Jesus letting them know that he is the one that they've waited on, the better thing that they've waited on. And, and here he says, I am the true vine. What he is saying is, I 
am the source. I am the thing that you need in order to be sustained. This would have been completely understood to the people of God. The people of God who were called Israel at the time, right? The, the, the believers that belonged to God, they used a vine or a vineyard as the symbol of God's language to them. It was a reminder always of what God had called them throughout the Old Testament, through Psalms, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah. God called them my vineyard. You, my people, are my vine. The problem is, is we were never a good vine. God's people in the Old Testament were never a good vine. These people would have known this picture just by walking down the road. They would have encountered vineyard after vineyard after vineyard. It would have been something they knew. And so Jesus is speaking to them and saying, I am the true source. Not the money. Even their money had the, the, a, a picture of a vine on it. Their coins had a vine on it. He's saying, no, 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 I need you to understand that I am the true vine. And then he goes on to say that, I, that my father is the vine dresser. He is the gardener. He's the owner of the field. What you and I must remember, especially today, is that he's the one in control. It's always been his plan. And seeing that he is the vine dresser, that means that us as branches are in his care. Oh, that's good news. But here is how this illustration begins to paint the picture. It's because the gardener will do what is best for the garden. He will care for these branches that are attached to this vine. And it goes on in verse 2 to say that the branch that does not bear fruit is cut off. It's cut off. You, do, do you know why? Because there's no point of having something lifeless in your garden. It takes space. And you know what space is, is so prominent for? For growth. If there are branches that lay on the ground or next to a living plant, to keep them there next to it actually hinders the, the, the vine from giving growth to the branch. It's always been his plan. And it's always been his care. And so for the, for the branch that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. It must be removed. But for the branch that does bear fruit, something really uniquely happens. It gets pruned. Do you know why it gets pruned? Now, I, I live in the city, y'all. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a gardener at that. I've killed a fern, and it, I've, I've learned that it's pretty hard to kill those things. But even in the smallest of concepts on a plant, when there are leaves that are dead, you have to remove it. You have to trim it off. Why? So that growth can continue to happen. Our loving gardener, vine dresser, the one who cares for us, tells us that when we belong to him, he cares enough for our growth to trim things out so that we can continue 
to grow. Keep with me. This thought of being pruned is not easy, it's not fun, but it's for our good. Can I let you know something today? God is not satisfied with the good enough Christian. I know that's hard. I, I, but I'm doing good enough. That's not good enough for God. Now, don't think that his heart is swayed as if he will give up on you. No, no, no. He's just not content with leaving you there. No healthy plant that gives harvest to one, one fruit is done its complete purpose. It hasn't. The health of that, that plant or that tree is that it can continue to produce again and again and again. And so can I tell you this morning that it's not just good enough to say, I, I've, I've done a couple good things, God. God's not content with that. And he's not mad if, you, if you're there. I just need you to know when he begins to prune you, it's not because he's mad at you. It's actually because he loves you. And that process of being pruned and trimmed is not the same thing as being cut off. To be cut off is to be discarded, but to be pruned is to be trimmed to the point where you are able to grow in greater ways and produce even more. And so this analogy for the disciple begins to really hit home to understand that, okay, this is what really matters as a disciple is that I would bear much fruit. Jesus, you're making it clear that's, that's what you want of me. And so this morning as we come to the text, if we wrestle and we sit before God and we say, what will be different about 2024? God, what is it that you want from me? Can I tell you that he says it today? I want you to bear much fruit. I don't want you to be a well enough Christian. I don't want you to be just good enough. That was, I, I did a little bit, God. No, 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 I want more of you. Can I tell you something today? Um, our relationship with God never not grows because of God. Let that sit. Our relationship with God never not grows because of God. So then who do we wrestle with? We wrestle with ourselves right now. To say, God, you lovingly invite me into something more. And so if you are sitting in this room and you find yourself, as many of us, I hope in this room are doing, what really matters? And I'm convinced through this passage is what really matters is that we bear fruit. He continues on and he says that the goal is that we are fruit-bearing branches. To not be renders us useless. It renders us in this context, dead. And the truth is, is there is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. It's impossible. 
There's no way that the living God dwells inside of you and your life doesn't begin to resemble him. Now, I think verse 3 really does insert just a Jesus moment for the question that never was asked. Are, are you saying that what you need me to do is to make sure that I do all these good things so that, that I'm saved, that I belong to you? No, no, no. Verse 3 says, you've already been made clean by the words I've spoken over you. I'm not saying that it's your works that'll save you, but what I am saying is that you were saved on two good works. Now, either, either you're with me or I'm missing you altogether. What Jesus wants us to know is this is not a matter of salvation, but this is a way that we understand that we are saved. It's not to gain our love and satisfaction, peace and comfort and joy and everything that comes in, the, in Christ through the gospel. It's not your work that, that, that earns that. No, no, no. You have been chosen by him. And to live outside of that would be like a branch that tries to live apart from the vine. It's impossible. It would be like you grabbing twigs off the ground and going into your backyard and placing them in the ground and saying, look at my beautiful apple tree garden. It's not going to bear any fruit because it isn't attached to the thing that gives it life. And so this morning I ask you, what are you attached to? Oh, this is, this, this listen y'all, if I was a rapper, that's a bar, okay? What are you attached to? The old preacher says, be careful what you say you can't live without because God might just hear you. Because there's only one true source that we ever need to be attached to and his name is Jesus, the true vine. But you and I, if we're honest, we have this propensity inside of us to attach ourselves to things that don't give us life. I look for the things that I feel are, they, they look like life. This world will say, that, that, you got the life. I want your life. We attach ourselves to those things and get to the end, much as, as, as uh, Solomon is saying in Ecclesiastes, you get to the end and realize that you have death. So can I ask you, and can we be honest, what are we attached to? When you look at your life and you begin to, to dig deep and you're honest, the thing that you and I begin to realize that we're attached to, if it's anything other than Christ, we're going to be told that will leave us empty and dead. Even if it's a good thing. You and I have a really bad habit of trying to attach ourselves to the fruit that comes from the vine versus the vine that gives us the fruit. Yeah. Yeah. We hold on to the fruit as if it itself is the life-giving source. Right. And it's not. It was always to remind us of the vine. And so what are we attached to this morning? Because the only source that we are encouraged to be attached to is the true vine, and his name is Jesus. Continue on with me because 
as we see that bearing fruit is not optional. It is what the vine dresser is looking for. It is what he is committed to seeing every branch produce is fruit. And so here the vine dresser gives us a surefire way that you and I will bear fruit. Find me in verse 4. It says it this way, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. There it is, family. This morning, realizing what matters is that we would be fruit-bearing branches. We are told how that fruit-bearing comes about. And it is by abiding. Church, say abiding. Can I tell you a little bit about this word? Abiding means to dwell. It means to be fully submerged. One of the best translations of this word that I really enjoy <laughs> is to marinate. I'm going to put y'all on game right now, okay? Um, if you offer to cook and people are like, no, 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 let's just order. This is for you, okay? <laughs> to marinate means to fully cover something with flavor, okay? This is what you're going to do. Lechon for us Puerto Rican folk, us Hispanic Caribbean folk, lechon Osado, boy, let me, let me help you. Here, here's what you do. You get, a bowl, you get a bowl, right? Just like a little serving bowl. You're going to go ahead and get some olive oil, about half a, half a uh, let's say a tablespoon of olive oil. Then you're going to put some salt and pepper. And I know for some of y'all, that's where you stop. There's more. You're going to go ahead and put some garlic powder, a little garlic salt. You're going to go ahead and put some cumin in there. You're going to go ahead and put some paprika in there. And now you got yourself a nice marinade. And what you're going to do with this fine, beautiful piece of meat, y'all relax, we're talking about a piece of pig, y'all. <laughs> you're going to go ahead and grab your hands as you pour it over, and you are going to make sure that it is fully, fully, not half, fully covered. And you're going to allow it to sit. You know why? So that the meat begins to absorb that flavor. It takes it in, right, Mama Roper? To the point where there's not one piece of that meat that doesn't have that seasoning on it. Y'all, you are welcome if you don't know how to cook. That's it. That's it right there. You will literally have people say, yeah, we'll come over for dinner. And you should cook. This word to abide means to be fully submerged in God. To be marinated, not one piece uncovered. I don't think you're understanding. If you, I'm, I'm starving now. If you and I will be like fruit bearing trees, then it's just not part of your life that needs to be in Christ. It's every bit of it. For you and I to think that coming to this service on a Sunday week after week is the thing that is going to bear fruit in us, can I tell you it's just the beginning. God wants more. It needs every bit of opportunity to give you the nutrients that you need. 
That's why roots don't grow on top of the ground. They grow deep and down. This call to abide is simply to go deeper into Christ. You know, you, here's the hard truth for you and I. Going deeper in Christ is not easy. It doesn't come in a moment. It's not something that you can just simply mix into your day here and there, here and there, here and there, and just think it's going to happen. It requires of us time and dedication. Not because Christ can't be found, but he's that worth chasing. He's that worth drawing from. So you and I need to understand that if we are going to be fruit-bearing branches, it's not just simply being attached to Christ on a Sunday morning. It's not simply just, hey, 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 I've taken care of everything, God, here, here you go, let me tip you. It won't be by, you know, I seen the old lady and she needed a hand, so I walked her across. No, no, it's every bit of our life deeply rooted in the source of life. Is it worth it? My dear friend, I have to believe that it is. What really matters is to be a fruit-bearing branch that abides, that abides, that is deeply submerged in Christ. And if you're, if you're asking me what, what does it look like to be submerged, we look at verses, uh, verse 10 where he tells us, find me in verse 10 quickly, and he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. Abiding is to be fully submerged, but I, can, can I say this? Your abiding isn't just in private. Uh, it, it's it's going to get a little hard now. Can we be honest with one another? Your abiding isn't just your prayer life. It's your obedience to Christ. It's your obedience to God's word and his will to say, I will chase after what you tell me to chase after, not what I deeply desire. I'm sorry if this is not what you came for this morning. If, if you were hoping for something to say, listen, you can do it. There is better. The better life is awaiting whatever you want on the other side of your abilities. Can I tell you something? You'll find yourself deeply disappointed, and I would hate to lead you astray. So this morning, I tell you truth. When Christ has called you in to say, abide in me because you will find the life you look for because life is only found in the life giver. Amen. Me, the true vine. The true vine. And you know what? Can, can I just say something? When I look at God, that would be enough. If God was to just simply love us and tell us your purpose in, uh, on here on earth is to be a fruit-bearing branch and just exist, he'd still be a good God. You know why? Because he created us. When is it that creation gets to tell the creator, this is how it's supposed to work? And so if he stood there, he would still be a good God, but the, the loving God that we get to serve 
knows us so well, and he meets us with loving kindness. And he promises us that two things are going to happen when we abide and bear fruit. Verse 8 tells us this, that my Father will be glorified. So the first thing that happens is that God would be glorified. And verse 11 tells us what? That my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Even if your ultimate purpose and goal was just to simply glorify God and exist, that would be more than enough to call him good. But we have such a loving God that says, I will give you joy as you do this. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds like great news to me. I have not found myself wanting to do something and just thinking that I'm strong enough to maintain by just existing. We all long for the thing that brings us some sense of satisfaction and gladness. You and I are told that when we live this way, when we are attached to the true vine, there we find life and we bear fruit. Bearing this fruit happens when we are fully submerged, marinated in the life giver himself, Christ. And when that happens, God is glorified and your joy is full. What loving kindness this is from a God who owes us nothing. Who owes us nothing. And so I have to ask you again, what are you attached to? Maybe it's better asked this way. What is it, this, what is it in your life that gets the best of you? What gets the best of your time? What gets the best of your talents? What gets the best of your treasures? Because that might tell you what you're attached to. Christ today says there's only one thing worth being attached to. The true vine. And so when we look at verse 8, and we see by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Our fruit bearing was always God's plan. It was always meant to be an indicator that we belong to him. That's where Jesus says in Matthew 6 that because of your good works, they will see them and glorify the father. We were always meant to bear much fruit. Living your life for Christ does not simply look like private, simple moments and you live as though just another bypasser in the world. No, no, no. We were always meant to be the branch that shows beautiful, ripe fruit that causes the onlooker to say what a vine it is attached to. For God to be glorified means that we have understood our deepest dependency on him. That you and I 
could not exist on our own. For God to be glorified is to understand that we don't have life in ourselves, that there is a life giver that we deeply need, and we see his outreached hand, and we tell the world, oh, what a loving God that has found me in my deepest, darkest places. To glorify God looks like us understanding our deepest dependency on him. You and I, my friend, cannot do it on our own. The fruit in which you and I bear, proclaim a creator who has loved us and provided for our every need. Despite what every, in, uh, so, so many influencers and every <clears throat> prominent voice uh, in the secular world says, you cannot do it in your own strength. There is not this hidden level of you that you must unlock. You're not strong enough, wise enough, self-sustaining enough to provide yourself with everything you need for life. And to glorify God says, I, I have met the life giver and I live in relationship with him. God will still be good if that's all that was there. That his kindness has loved us and made us for his glory. And that was it. But he continues on to give us joy. What a gift. What a gift it is to pursue what really matters and to be blessed beyond all understanding and understand that this is not what the world calls a blessing by any means. This joy is deeply different than what the world will call joy because if you and I gave ourselves to joy the way the world calls it joy, some of us would be finding ourselves deeply addicted to things. If we gave ourselves to the things that the world calls joy, some of us would be wildly living in adultery. But this joy is a bit different. This is the joy of Christ. These things I have spoken to you, verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. This is a very clear distinction that this is not joy the way the world gives it. It's joy that belongs to Christ. His joy may be in us and we would be full. So what is it? We find gladness in our hearts because we have Christ and everything in him is eternal. We don't hold on to things that will pass and fade away. We hold on to things that will be forever. Oh, there's a gladness in that because you know what that means? There is no disappointment. We hold on to things that cause us deep disappointment and then we question God, why? Why would you take that from us? And the truth is, is he, he has to be honest enough to say, you put it in a place that never belonged. 
wasn't joy. You believe the lies that the world has convinced you of that that thing is joy. But this joy, this joy is an assurance of what really matters is not actually what, but who really matters. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me, I promise. When we ask the question, what really matters, Jesus is showing us it's not a what, but a who. It's interesting that this passage reminds me of Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I tell you something? That it was joy that moved Jesus to go to the cross? So you and I have to ask, what is this joy that you are promising? What is this thing that is deeply different than the world has to offer? Can I tell you something? It is a right relationship with God. To know the one that made you with no hindrance. It's to know that you are approved, accepted, and belong. Not because of what you do, but because of the one who chose you. That joy took God in the flesh and said, I will go die a death only fitting for the worst of criminals. While I lived here perfectly, that joy willingly moves me to say, give me the cross because what it accomplishes is way greater than the joy of the world that would say, take care of yourself. My friends, I don't know if I can convince you enough that the joy that is offered here is so much greater than what the world has to offer us. And so I sit here and I have to look at this and say, when being asked what really matters and looking at this text and saying what really matters is that I am a fruit-bearing branch that abides in Christ there's still this undertone question that you and I are asking, but is it worth it? Hey, preacher man, is it worth it though? Unlike our parents, the, 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 the median age in our, in our room right now, unlike our parents who did things because it was right, you and I tend to do things only if it's worth it. We don't care what right means anymore. The truth is, is you can say what is right and I can say what is right. Even though that is a deep, dark lie. But the way we are conditioned today is to say, I don't care if it's right or wrong, I just need to know if it's worth it. And for you and I, I wholeheartedly believe that when we look at Jesus, he says, it is absolutely worth it. If you don't believe it, look at his example. He willingly took on the worst death ever recorded in history because he believed it was worth it. As tomorrow fast approaches, some of us will recognize because our jobs make us recognize 
a great man in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. No matter how you feel about it, the truth is, is he was a vibrant man of God, and we should celebrate the fact that the world stops to think about him because his life reflects Christ. But as that day comes and we think of a very fruitful man, the reason why he even has a national holiday is because he stood up against injustice and demanded that the image of God be respected in all humans despite their race. And when he went up against it, I have to believe that he stood there and asked himself, is it worth it? And looking at Christ, he said, certainly he did. So I believe it's worth it. Will it be another year for you? Where you look back and you say, it was good enough. I'm a well-intended Christian. And everybody has room to grow. I'm not asking you about everybody. I'm asking you about you. Will you be content with saying, yeah, it was good enough? Because that's not what God made you for. He made you to be a fruit-bearing branch. Not who bears a little fruit. Not who bears fruit occasionally. Not the fruit that had that really big burst of a harvest and now lives in the shadows of it. No, no, no. He called you to be a fruit-bearing branch that bears much fruit. That is an active verb, y'all, in its original language. That means it's something that you do and you continue to do over and over and over and over again. And can I tell you today that it's worth it? What really matters is to be that fruit-bearing branch that abides in the true vine, because that leads to God being glorified and our joy being full. The truth is, yes, that is worth it. Pray with me, church. Lord, we thank you for our time in your word. I pray that it not fall on deaf ears. I pray that our minds and our hearts would be challenged to, to live out the call to abide in you, God. To be fully submerged in you. To give ourselves to what really matters. And that is the one who gives us life. Lord, we don't want to be like the lifeless branches that sit on the ground of the garden. Make us the the fruit-bearing branches, the ones that you love so much that you pruned, knowing that you will trim off the hard things, the things that look to steal from our growth in you, and know that that loving act will lead to you being glorified and our lives being full of joy. Not a joy like the world offers, but the joy that you, Christ, yourself possesses. So we thank you this morning. May we cut out all things 
that hold us back? And would we be attached to the true source of life, the true vine? We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Church says, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.